Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco's Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.
So happy Mother's Day, everybody. Or as Garrison Keillor says, happy Mother's and Other's Day. These are for you. So take them virtually through the live stream and know that you're loved. I would say, look, Ma, no hands, but that would be a bad thing to do at this moment. Welcome, everybody. Welcome our visitors. Welcome people from all over the country and around the world. If you're joining us for the first time, I would encourage you to see if you haven't already to download the order of service, which will help you go with us through the worship service today, but also is serving kind of like a mini newsletter. So you can use it to find out more about how you might connect during the week. So welcome. Welcome to everyone who's here today and especially to our musicians, to my worship associates, Anish, the Buffum Dellerts, our only two parishioners here in the pews, to our tech crew, to everybody. And a special welcome to all our mothers. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and welcome. We will light our candle this morning as we have been doing every single week to recognize all of you who are with us in spirit, bring you into this space until we can be together again in body. So I invite us now to sing our first hymn of the morning. It's an old American song. Please join with us. It's bright morning stars, and the music is in your order of service. Sing along. Oh. 
this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light the symbol of our faith as we gather together. I want to invite you all to look at that order of service again and see all the opportunities that are there growing every week, actually, for spiritual growth, adult education, and connecting in lots of different ways. In particular, I want you to pay attention to an email and some Facebook postings that will go out early this week about some social justice and witness events that are coming up that have just developed this last week. One, one is around the lives that have been lost in detention camps where COVID is now spreading. A witness event on Tuesday will involve 30 religious leaders who will preside over a memorial service. I will be there and you all can join online. We'll send out the link tomorrow. But also we're going to be setting up two Zoom calls about two issues that we want people to reflect on together. In our community, we want to reflect together on how our Black Lives Matters and larger racial justice work feels like it is coming to the fore recently again and asking, demanding that we respond, even during this time of stay at home. Additionally, questions about the rollback in environmental protections and a larger strategic look at how we will serve and protect and defend our natural world and try and reverse climate change, that too is feeling pressing right now. And so we will schedule two Zoom greetings, one, uh, gatherings, one the week after next around our racial justice work and another in early June. So please pay attention and we would love to have your input and thought and connection as part of our trying to discern what our work is and how to step into it together. I have two other announcements, but for those, I'm gonna invite forward first Joe Dellert and Nancy Buffum. They are, soon to be were, the co-chairs of this year's annual operating fund drive, and I feel like I need to say that they are living in the same household and married, so they're allowed to stand this close together. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for making our fund drive fun and successful. We raised over $560,000, and there were over 200 pledges. It's short of our goal, but I think that we can continue to trickle in and give Vanessa a good tool to be able to lead our church into the future. I even took a pie for you. Thank you. 
Um, hello, I would just like to say for those of you who may be visiting for the first time in a while attending our services or have begun watching our services um, since the shelter in place, that this community feels so strong and is growing and we would welcome you to also make a contribution to next year's budget, which will be the work of our board beginning this month. So there's still that green button, and if you are a friend or curious or just grateful, please do consider making a one-time donation to our annual operating fund. Thank you, thank you both. We owe a huge round of applause. So from all your homes and from here, we wanna thank you both for doing such an incredible job. This was a tough year and yet everybody has shown up with incredible faith and commitment to this community and it's in part because you inspired that and we're so incredibly grateful. And as Nancy said and Joe seconded, if you want to pledge towards next year's fiscal year to help us, make it strong through this next challenging year, please just hit that green bun button and make a promise. We would really love, love to have your support and need it. This is this time of endings that we're in already in as a church community. It became uh, evident last week when we sort of marked the end of our religious education program. And this week, we're going to mark one ending to our small group ministry. Margot Campbell-Gross, who supports our small group ministry program, particularly its leaders, she wanted to be here, but she couldn't. So Anish Johnson, who's our outgoing co-chair, is here to say a few words, and then Margot's asked me to say a few that she would like said this morning. Our small groups offer a place to belong and to care for each other to share important parts of our lives. We practice deep listening, which enables us to form lasting connections, to minister to one another, and to create a stronger community here. Since June last year, we've had almost 50 participants across two summer and four fall small groups. Once shelter-in-place restrictions began, our groups moved meetings online using video conferencing, offering each other an important connection in these trying times. <clears throat> I want to thank all the small group facilitators who made this possible, namely Bobby Kovach, Elaine Pratt, Greg Biggs, Judith Stoddard, Louise Diskerud, Millie Phillips, Margaret Levitt, Mary Walsh, and Reverend Margot Gross, our spiritual advisor. It's been my honor to serve the last two years alongside you and many others to make this important ministry available to our congregation. I especially want to thank Bobby and Greg, who will be continuing, as, continuing on as co-chairs for this ministry. Zoom-based summer groups will start in July and sign-up information is available both in your order of service and on the church website. Thank you, Anish. 
Yes, if you'll look in your order of service, you see that invitation that Anish just mentioned. And now these words from Margot. I'm sorry that I cannot be here in the sanctuary this morning because I would have liked to honor Anish Johnson in person. Anish has been an exemplary leader and given of himself generously to the small group ministry program over the last two years. He was co-chair with Bobby this year. Bobby will serve another year, and as was stated, she's welcoming Greg Biggs as her co-chair. Over the past two years, though, Anish, though he traveled, always managed to communicate with me and the small group ministry facilitators about upcoming meetings, about room use, about calendaring, about small group ministry business. Anish made great efforts to get to our monthly meetings whenever possible. I remember once he rushed in just in time having taken an Uber from the San Francisco airport where he had landed less than an hour earlier. Over these past two years, Anish has experienced many changes in his life, including moving house, but he was always available to small group ministry. I greatly appreciate his excellent logistical and technical skills, which served us well, especially lately. And I especially appreciate Anisha's sensitivity, his good humor, his willingness to help, his courage in addressing any problems that might arise. Anish has been a generous, wise, and dedicated leader of the program. I thank him for his ministry over the last two years. Bless you, Anish. May you go well. This concludes our announcements. And now let's sing together our meditation on breathing as we center ourselves into this morning. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in if you will, in saying our covenant, the promises that we make to each other in this community. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer.
This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes. We ring our gong today in honor of three such places of struggle and suffering. We ring our gong first as we have since July in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing those seven times stand symbolically for those adults who have also lost their lives in these camps, those who remain in the camps, many separated from their families, and many now infected with COVID-19 or at risk of the infection. We also recognize those who wait in makeshift refugee camps at our border, waiting an asylum hearing. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses of the virus to the virus that we know by name. Worldwide this week, 35,834 people died from COVID-19. We hold in our hearts to all of those who continue to risk their lives to provide essential services, who suffer for loss of job, loss of security, and who are especially vulnerable to the disease. Finally, this Mother's Day, we ring our gong once for black and brown lives in America and call out one name from among many we ring our gong for Ahmaud Arbery. May we keep those we have named and their families in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can.
God is not God's name, my pastor growing up would say, but our name for that which is greater than all of us and yet present within each. Call it love. Call it the interdependent web. Call it that urgent need to connect a desire for healing and justice, the voice, the one that leads you to places of deep peace, sacrificial living. We call out and seek inwardly to connect to that presence that lure, that thread of the holy that pulls us to one another and through the next until a whole is made of the weaving of all of us. This day, was created out of love for mothers. One story was a founding by the heartbreak of a mother, of children lost to war. So much is like war. in its carnage and senseless persistence. Poverty wages war on bodies and spirits. Sexism, racism, hate in all its narrow, twisted visions of difference and fear of difference. How many children do we lose, body and spirit, to such things as these? And for how long do we lose them? No more lamentations put an end to them. God, in our love for mothers, may we learn to love their children, all of them, flesh of our flesh and all human bodies and hearts and minds, sacred like temples to that which is greater than all of us and yet present within each. I invite us into silence and a time of simple presence and listening. Please join me.
May the prayers of our hearts be heard. Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you never really cared for music, do you? Like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I've seen this room and I've walked this floor, you know I used to live alone before I knew you I've seen your flag on the marble arch But love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah Hallelujah God above, but all I've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who are true you. And it's not a cry that you hear at night, it's not somebody who's seen the light, it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, I took the name in vain. I don't even know the name, but if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word It doesn't matter which you heard The holy or the broken Hallelujah 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 Though it wasn't much, I couldn't feel, so I learned to touch. I've told the truth, I didn't come to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of Song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I think I need to say that that piece was a request by Asher's mom. So we shout out some love to the moms. Our first reading this morning is a poem by Audre Lorde entitled, Now That I Am Forever With Child. How the days went while you were blooming within me. I remember each upon each the swelling, changed planes of my body and how you first fluttered and then jumped and I thought it was my heart. How the days wound down and the turning of winter, I recall, with you growing heavy against the wind. I thought, now her hands are formed and her hair has started to curl. Now her teeth are done. Now she sneezes. Then the seed opened. I bore you one morning, just before spring. My head rang like a fiery piston. My legs were towers between which a new world was passing. Since then, I can only distinguish one thread running, one thread within running hours. You, flowing through selves toward you. Here ends our reading. Our offering this morning is a special offering that's going to be taken to benefit the Homeless Prenatal Program, an organization that just celebrated its 30th anniversary that's been working especially hard in these recent weeks to get homeless families off the street and pregnant mothers safe and cared for, also doing additional outreach to support families in stressful times when lots of things become more precarious. So I'd invite you to find the blue donate button and just look for special offering and give whatever gifts you feel moved to to support that organization and the people that it helps. Our offering will be given and gratefully received.
Our second reading of the day is by Pat Mora. It's titled, Ode to Teachers. I remember the first day, how I looked down, hoping you wouldn't see me. And when I glanced up, I saw your smile, shining like a soft light from deep inside you. I'm listening, you encourage us. Come on, join our conversation. Let us hear your neon certainties, thorny doubts, tangled angers. But for weeks, I hid inside. I read and reread your notes, praising my writing. And you whispered, we need you and your stories and questions that like a fresh path will take us to new vistas. Slowly, your faith grew into my courage. And for you, instead of handing you a note or apple or flowers, I raise my hand. I carry your smile and faith inside like I carry my dog's face, my sister's laugh, creamy melodies, the softness of sunrise, steady blessings of stars, autumn smell of gingerbread, the security of a sweater on a chilly day. Let me be kind Make me unselfish without being blind Though I may suffer, I'll envy it not And endure what comes next Cause she's all that I got Tell her, tell her I need her, tell her I love her, tell her I need her, tell her I love her. Now I may have faith to make mountains fall. But if I lack love, then I'm nothing at all I can give away everything I possess But left without love, I have no happiness I know I'm imperfect not without sin But now that I'm older I'll childish things in And I'll tell her Tell her I need her Tell her I love her
I'll never be jealous And I won't be too proud Cause love is not boastful Love is not loud Now I may have wisdom And knowledge on earth But if I speak wrong then what is it worth? See, what we know now is nothing compared To the love that was spared when our lives were spared and Day present. I really appreciate it. And Asher, Mark, thank you for making it happen. Bill, John on the drums. Lauren Hill, that's an adaptation of a song of hers that I adore. She, uh, she grew up in Maplewood, New Jersey, where I lived for 11 years. So Jersey is in the house in SF. Just have to shout out for the Jersey folks. Mother's Day, Mother's Day. It is this incredibly hard day to celebrate collectively. I just need to name because among us in this gathered congregation and all the places we are right now, there are people who never knew their mother, some who wished they never had, some who miss their mothers in the ache that they feel every day, maybe at an appointed hour when the two would talk like some unbreakable law of time and love. There are those who wished to be biological mothers and who still struggle with the excruciating and often silent challenges of infertility and miscarriages. My grandmother had a ring that she wore all the time with five stones for the children she'd had. But you have only four kids, I said once as a small child. No, Vanessa, there was one I lost at birth. So much that makes Mother's Day complicated. And now, especially, we are a nation of people, many of whom fear for our mothers. With this virus that hits the older populations hardest, 
And there are some among us who have already lost a parent in these days for any number of reasons and who must mourn in the strangest and most distant of ritual ways that must make grief and healing all the more complicated to hold and heal from. What a complicated layers, layered day Mother's Day always is but how especially complicated right now. And it's also true that no matter what Mother's Day we're in the midst of, it's always this chance, this opportunity to hold in our arms our bundle of what mothers and mothering has meant to us. How the days went, Audrey Lord writes, while you were blooming within me, I remember each upon each the swelling, changed planes of my body, and how you first fluttered and then jumped, and I thought it was my heart. How the days wound down and the turning of winter, I recall with you growing heavy against the wind, I thought now her hands are formed and her hair has started to curl, and now her teeth are done, and now she sneezes. And then the seed opened, and I bore you one morning, just before spring. My head rang like a fiery piston. My legs were the towers between which a new world was passing. A mother is always the beginning, author Amy Tan wrote. She's where things begin. Indeed, Mother's Day begins always and everywhere, somewhere, with the reality so vividly captured by Lord of life taking shape, right? Of this slow awakening of a mother to the slow and unfolding of a child, the powerful act of birth, the sheer mad miracle of survival that mother or child will live to tell. It all starts there. If it goes on to be a story of a mother handing her child into the arms of another to raise it, or of a mother lost in childbirth because it's still the case that the time of giving birth will be a woman's most medically vulnerable time in her life, even now, for those who go through it. Or if it begins in that sweet and diverse array of what family can look like, we can still bow our heads, we can all still tip our hats, say a moment of witnessing to whatever body gave birth to our own. Thereafter, the layering on of experiencing of what mothering means or what it doesn't takes on as many shapes and forms as there are lives that have lived. In the New York Times Friday, there were short excerpts of interviews that Deborah Weiner did of famous people, of artist Nick Cave, of 
TV producer and writer Deb Spera of dancer Charlene Gem McDougall interviews about their mothers. These remembrances were of mothers who struggled against poverty, but insisting on creative possibilities. There was a mother who struggled with her own and through her own demons of alcohol abuse and suicidal moments to be reborn sober and accomplished and embracing of life. These were mothers who, like almost all mothers, weren't always perfect, but taught their children truths that will endure, that have endured long after they themselves have left the earth. Of course, for most of us, whoever filled the role of mother was formative. Biological or adopted, stepmothers or foster moms. Well, the truth is even moms who are absent formed us in their absence. These mothers, their good shaped our good. And what we perceived as their shortcomings informed our sense too of how we would choose to live, didn't it? And if they had the chance, they passed along the wisdom that they'd gathered along the way for us to take with us. One particular truth, one piece of wisdom my mom knew or had gathered and then blessed me with was the clear sense that, as she put it, you could never have enough mothers. In other words, she, she wasn't going to be stingy with me and the world. If I was in the care of other women, if they loved me and I loved them, if they shaped me and I adored or imitated them in one way or another, she wasn't going to be jealous. That would be a gift for me and so for her also. And I was lucky. I did have more than one mother. There was one for sure who was head and shoulders more present and more responsible for who I am, my biological mother, the mother whose body I have, the one whose quirks life's great karma is slowly making into my own quirks, but also whose best qualities, most of them, I am lucky to have imprinted on my being but other people shaped me. Two aunts, most notably. One who was, Aunt Anne, extravagant and flamboyant in sharp contrast to my mom who was careful and elegantly understated. Another, another aunt who delighted in people and food, in entertaining and decorating at the holidays, in big cuddles over Friday night movies in the living room. Most important of all, though, for my growth, I think it was just that both women loved me. Just because, or so it seemed, and that both saw in me things to delight in that I didn't know were cause for delight until I saw it 
in their response to me, in their cherishing. Who shaped you? Who loved you for no apparent reason? Because if I were to think of what mothering is, part of the ideal would be the person who delights in us and teaches us to delight in ourselves. For Pat Mora, a poet who grew up in El Paso, a teacher played that role. She wrote in the poem we read this morning, I remember the first day how I looked down hoping you wouldn't see me. And when I glanced up, I saw your smile shining like a soft light from deep inside you. I'm listening, you encourage us. Come on, join our conversation. Let your neon certainties thorny doubts, tangled angers. But for weeks, I hid inside. I read and reread your notes, praising my writing. And you whispered, we need you and your stories and questions like that fresh path that will take us to new vistas. Slowly, your faith grew into my courage. And for you, instead of handing you a note or apples or flowers, I raised my hand. Life can grow up between the cracks in the sidewalk or under the most trying of circumstances. Even gorgeous, fruitful, loving life can. If anyone read Educated, the memoir by Tara Westover about her growing up, you know one story, just one, about how resilient life is. Westover, born to survivalist parents in the backwaters of Idaho. She grew up unschooled and never going to hospitals. With a level of risk and brutality that is jarring. But she survived, went to college, writes and loves and lives well. There are lots of those stories. They are ours, too. So life doesn't need tender care, but there is something gorgeous that happens to life when it is observed and tended with care. And when who we are is reflected back to us through love, Mora's teacher was that person, both this loving companion for a time. But I'd argue that part of the power of that person was also, as is so often the case for us, that they give us evidence also of who or what we might meet in the world. And so a trust or confidence to step into it.
These people, they're mentors, but they're not just mentors. They're, they're ballast. They're talismans. I carry your smile and faith inside, writes the poet, like I carry my dog's face, my sister's laugh, creamy melodies, the softness of sunrise, steady blessing of stars, autumn smell of gingerbread, the security of a sweater on a chilly day. Who do you carry with you? Like a smile or a soft sunrise or a warm sweater on a chilly day. Who, who looked hard enough to really see you and then waited attentively until you let some part of you out from its hiding places? For me, one of those people would be Ms. Miley, who we called Smiley behind her back. She took one tall, awkward, skinny eighth grade kid and provided what I would call a holding place for her all the way through high school. She did that for lots of us. Ms. Miley laughed at way too many of my stupid jokes and antics. And she was also the one who would regularly tell me to stop my foolishness and focus. She took chances on me long before I had really proven myself. And at the same time, she never put undue pressure on me to be anything but a kid trying to do my best. Ms. Miley was fiercely competitive, and we on the volleyball team knew that. We knew she loved winning, and we loved winning too. But when we lost, there was no big drama or berating, no shaming. Life went on, and it went on with a sense that we would all get another chance at the net, so not to dwell on loss. In all the torturous years of high school, there was one place that felt super easy and one person who made it easy. One person who taught me without ever explicitly teaching it that life could be important but not tie you in knots. Who taught you to live with joy and resilience? Who made a holding place for you to rest in? There are mothers, Garrison Keeler would say, and also others. We celebrate both of them for the similar work that they do in the world. And we give thanks for the mothers and others, 
for the bodies that brought us into this world, that radical commitment of flesh and being. For those we called mother for her gifts and how she shaped us, the good and the rough hands too, all of which taught us who we wanted to be and how. Then for all the other mothers, the aunties and the grandmothers, the best friends, moms who set a place for us at their tables too. And finally for that big, gorgeous world of sacred others, all of them, all of you, all of us, the teachers and the coaches and the neighbors and the strangers who stumbled into our lives and the mentors and the big brothers and sisters for all of the people who loved us for no apparent reason, loved us into being the ones we carry with us like the softness of a sunrise, part of our faith in ourselves and the world. who held, as the poet said, the thread of you flowing through selves toward you. Bless them all. Bless us all. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Let's sing. We're going to sing what in our gray hymnal is 23, but it's in your order of service, Bring Many Names, a hymn that takes the metaphor of parents and others and uses it to talk about that which is beyond naming, our imaginings of life and love in their biggest, boldest portraits. So let's sing together. God. 
shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.